It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I'm going to talk about returning to the office if you've been working remotely. Also, there's a new app I've been trying out called Citizen. I want to tell you what it does, what I think. So, we've made it to June and kick off to summer season. And a lot of employers who have office workers, which about a third of us were able to do the pandemic working remotely, the other two-thirds in the workforce had to go out and and, uh, work on the road, direct customer contact, whatever. Employers generally were not thinking in terms of having people come back to the office till after Labor Day. Here we are right after Memorial Day, and a lot of employers are calling for people to come back in. And it's because of the surprising success that the vaccinations have led to with a drop in the number of deaths from coronavirus averaging daily, somewhere around a 93% decline in deaths, uh, equivalent decline in hospitalizations. The vaccines have changed the equation much quicker than anybody could have hoped for. Um, we could see an ugly winter coming up because of variants, because there's a meaningful percent of Americans who don't want to get vaccines. And so that could be a factor coming up later. But as for now, it has really changed things and reduced the danger so much. So a lot of employers are pushing up the reopening of offices to uh, a lot of employers sometime during this month of June. And I've been reading what the bosses at a lot of companies that are willing to open their mouths are saying in interviews that they just don't flat out trust us working from home, that they think we're loafing or whatever. The reality is, I think that people proved overwhelmingly that they can be more productive at home. We are social beings. And I actually love being in the office because I love being with people. But what happens when we're with people? We run our mouths. We socialize. We goof off. Instead of working, when we're home, we're more isolated. We're more lonely. But the productivity that people have generally is higher. And let me tell you something. If you got a worker who is lazy at home, they're lazy when they're at the office too. There's no magic with that. So there are employers that out of their contempt for this feeling that they don't have enough control on people. They're control freaks. And they're worried that they can't clamp down on people enough when they're working from home. And they're going to order them back full time. Come on. Come on. You're the problem. Your workers aren't the problem. And be aware of this. If you're an employee ordered back full time, that you got a boss who doesn't trust you. 
Now, I do believe there's real value in, in culture in a business, having people together. And over time, you lose some of that fabric that holds things together. And that's why I think the hybrid method that's easy to talk about, hard to implement, is where we're going to need to get to, where you have certain days that you have everybody together so that you have that togetherness of culture in your business. But that people have said overwhelmingly, workers have said overwhelmingly, they love the ability to work from home. And they can't unsee it now because they've experienced it. In our little company, we have employees or contractors and I don't even know how many states now. And so we've always had what today is cutely called remote work. <laughs> we've, we've always had that and we've been able to make that work. And so this thought that you must compel all your people to come back and sit in a cubicle farm is your problem that you're making their problem as workers. And I want you to remember that if you're an employee, that if you're ordered back in an unthinking kind of way, you got to think through, is that really where you want to spend a lot of your life working? And I welcome rebuttals from those bosses who are ordering people back. I know there are exceptions where you need to order people back because like in the securities industry, there could be shenanigans that go on when people are not working in your facility. But for the most part, give people some freedom. Krista? Jonathan in Georgia says, is working W-2-based better than commission-based? I currently work W-2-based, but I'm considering a change of employment and looking at roofing sales, and a lot of them don't offer insurance benefits due to being commission-only. Are the trade-offs worth it? So, Jonathan, in your example, you're basically in business for yourself at that point. You are a true independent contractor. You don't make a sale. You don't put food on the table. And you also are subject to a lot of double taxation when you work as an independent contractor instead of as an employee of someone. So you're subject to what's known as SE, self-employment tax, which doubles the payroll taxes that you pay right now. So it is a choice for freedom. If you turn out to be really good at sales, you will make a lot more money than you do working for someone else. So I recommend that you have a decent amount of money in savings because at first it'll be slow for you. And, and if it works, it'll still take a while before the commissions really start materializing and filling up your checkbook. But this is really about you. You're going to have to buy your own health insurance if you are going to want to carry health insurance. And that's not exactly cheap. And then you've got the extra taxes and then the irregular income that you'll have based on commissions. So, Jonathan, this is where you look yourself in the mirror and really think through, do you have the personality to do sales and are you comfortable with having uh, income that goes up and down 
based on the whims of the marketplace and how well you do at selling. And from Joel in Wisconsin, my oldest child just turned 18. I destroyed my credit at a young age and it took a long time to rebuild. I'm proud to say I now have an over 800 credit score. I don't want my kid to make the same mistakes I did. My question is, how do I help my kids start building credit responsibly? Joel, you do it with one conversation after another, leveling with your kid about what happened to you when you first got credit and that you want them to learn based on the school of hard knocks you went through instead of them having to go through their own school of hard knocks. So it's not a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation about how to handle credit. And one thing you can have a child do when they're first having a credit card, and I don't know if your 18-year-old is going to college. When you go to college, the ability to obtain credit cards is really friendly because easy because college students are the most profitable of all credit card customers. So having repeated conversations about this would be great. But using uh, a simple app where every time they make a purchase with a card, they note it as an expense against the money they have in a checking account would be a great way to budget. Um, There were cards that actually worked like a debit card, but were credit cards, those have not survived in the marketplace. So you're the one in the marketplace of ideas that needs to continually have these conversations with your son. Uh, I'm sorry, you didn't say son, you said oldest child, you said kid, so boy or girl. And know that by with your best intentions, your child may ignore the lessons, or may actually benefit from them. This is from Moki in New Mexico. I tried to get my FICO score from one of the credit bureaus yesterday, and they wouldn't give it to me unless I paid for it. The annual free report does not include the FICO score information. What gives? What is the purpose of the credit bureaus? It seems like they get all of our information and won't give us anything back. You're so right. But the good news is there are multiple ways now to get your FICO score for free, your actual score from Fair Isaac. And we don't have a FICO score, depending on what information each bureau has and what type of FICO score. We have many, many, but you'll get a a clear indication. Uh, Any of your credit cards, almost all of them now make available your credit score at any time for free on their app or on their website. And Discover, even if you don't have an account with them, Discover will give you one-time access to a free FICO score on yourself. And you can get an approximation of your credit scoring using the Vantage Scoring, which is a competitor, for free whenever you want for two of the three major credit bureaus from Credit Karma. You set up a Credit Karma account. You repeatedly will be able to see your score updated daily or weekly, depending on the situation with Credit Karma, always for free. And I just want to note something, Clark. Um, The credit bureaus often change, like the links to get your free credit um, score. And so we are constantly playing catch up with that on Clark.com. And so we think we have a solution now where our links should always be the right ones. And this is an ongoing thing because the credit bureaus 
are required by law to give you access to your credit reports, but they treat credit scores as a profit center. And that's why they will try to get you to subscribe to some ripoff service or charge you a very high fee to see your credit score. Our special emphasis is to give you access to this information, various ways that it is available for you at no cost. And next, you may have heard of or you may use the app Citizen. I'm going to tell you about it if you're not familiar. And, you know, someone recently was falsely accused of a crime because of it. We've been much more concerned generally about crime across the United States as crime rates have gone up over the last couple of years and a lot since the pandemic started in urban, suburban, exurban, rural areas. I mean, all around the country, people have been more concerned about crime. And we had been in an incredibly virtuous cycle. Crime levels had fallen over a 30-year period to a tiny fraction of what they used to be. And then for a variety of reasons that people are still debating, crime started rising a couple years ago and now in a lot of metro areas has gone up significantly and now we all are there with our smartphones. And so people have been nervous and looking at ways to monitor what is around them, what dangers lurk near them. And so Citizen is a very, very, very fast-growing app that is very expensive. It's 250 bucks a year for the Citizen app, and it gives you continuous alerts. Krista pushed me hard a few weeks ago to sign up for Citizen, and so I've been in the free trial period, Krista, that ends next week and i'm not gonna continue it i'm not going to stay with the paid and you're shocked no i'm not i'm not because it's 20 dollars a month so (laughs) i'm not shocked at all but you find it to be so valuable and there are millions how many people now use citizen i think they said they have seven million seven million people paying big money every month to see what crime lurks around them. And I've seen everything. I've seen the shootings, uh, the notifications of shootings. You see uh, reports on bad car accidents, uh, carjackings, uh, violent crimes like rape, fires. You see all this stuff on Citizen. And And it's like near where you are. Like if it, it locates you and it can say like there's an incident near you and warn you if you want it to. And it follows me because I was traveling on the West Coast recently and everywhere I went, it was it was updating what horrific things were happening within a mile and a half of where I was at any moment. And so that is extremely valuable information if you are fearful of crime. And I don't want to belittle crime at all. I do think it can create a certain paranoia that you have a perception that your danger of being a crime victim is much higher than it actually is. And then as with any citizen thing, like we've had the things with next door, um, but it's not principally about crime, but people will falsely accuse somebody else of crime. That recently happened on citizen where a fellow was accused 
uh, causing a wildfire falsely. And Citizen did a good job um, at apologizing for that. But it always is a risk with these things that people see it and they automatically assume it's true with any neighborhood website or any app like Citizen. The 20 a month, I can't get excited about that. And so, Krista, I'm going to rely on you helping me have a full dose of fear and paranoia about crime since we live near each other. I just do like to know what's going on around me and everyone I care about. That's why I was hoping you would like it. But I understand that that 1999 is tough to swallow. So I want to tell you that my wife Lane has downloaded the app and is using it in the free trial period. Hers ends a week after mine. And I'm just curious if she is going to find it as compelling as you do or not. And I'll tell you, she and I were talking about it just the other evening when we were walking our dog in the neighborhood. And she was talking about how there are streets that she walks on with the dog when I'm with her that she doesn't feel safe walking on when it's her alone. And I'm like, you think I'm going to be able to protect (laughs) But I think there is a perception difference in terms of how much danger we're in uh, when you're a guy versus a woman. But the other thing I've noticed in the almost three weeks that I've had the trial period on Citizen is how much bad stuff happens between 2 and 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always the old people who said, nothing good happens after, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. what time they'd say. And Citizen would validate that, particularly as you move hours past midnight, that that really is true. People get uh, too much alcohol or other substances in them. For sure. In the wee hours, lack of sleep, uh, jealousy, whatever. And a lot of bad stuff mm-hmm. happens in yep. the bars and night spots. All right, Clark. Let's Mark, talk good stuff. Let's talk about this. Mark in Florida said, I heard you mention that now is a good time to purchase your leased car at the end of the lease. I'm going to do this with my Mercedes C300. Should I purchase an extended warranty for this? They charge over $3,000, but I know fixing a Mercedes can be expensive. The car currently has 48,000 miles. I prepaid for 60,000 and my lease ends in July. So Mark, you know, car extended warranties, and hopefully you're talking about buying one directly from Mercedes, is a category I'm neutral on. With a expensive European luxury brand, the cost of repairs is crazy high. The advantage, though, you have with Mercedes is because of their brand popularity in the United States, in any midsize or large market, there are many independent Mercedes repair shops not attached to a Mercedes franchise dealer. And the cost of those repairs will usually be lower and likely uh, you'll be able to talk directly to the mechanic doing the work on your vehicle at one of the independent shops. What you could do is before you have to make the call on paying the $3,000 for the extension of the warranty, and remember, again, only Mercedes-branded extension only, no third-party warranties, you can go to one of the independent mechanics that does Mercedes work and have them evaluate the condition of your Mercedes and help you figure out whether you're best off having that $3,000 plus 
in your pocket to pay for a future repair or whether you should buy that warranty coverage. And this is from Noah in North Carolina. I'm about to turn 19 and I am lucky enough to have my parents putting me through school. They also pay for a credit card in my name for emergencies and groceries for them. So I have a solid credit score. As well, since turning 18, I've opened a brokerage account and a Roth IRA. I have been working through the pandemic in this summer with little to no living costs, saving and investing as much as I can make. My question, now that I've hit the limits of my own knowledge and preparing for my future financial security, is there anything you can recommend I do now or as I make my way through college? Well, your maturity, Noah, is very impressive. And your parents' generosity to you would usually not lead to somebody being as focused on the future as you are and saving money as you are. So in the Roth IRA, I'm hoping you're in a target retirement fund, maybe 2065, something like that, that is, you might find a 2070 fund that will automatically reallocate your investments in the Roth as needed as you age through the years. They're ultra low cost and a simple way to do it. If you want to invest more money, if that's what you're really interested in, I love you looking at the Fidelity Zero funds in a regular investment account where you can put money into funds that have no commission and no ongoing management expenses at all. So all your money is going to work for you. As far as learning more as you work your way through school, there are so many podcasts about investing now that I think you can find dedicated podcasts that will really help you with, um, with how to go about building a solid financial future. There are a lot of websites, but I think that the podcast route is really good for getting you into that mindset. Ignore any podcasts that are geared towards get rich quick. I'm really into podcasts that talk all about the fundamentals about how to build wealth. And I do have a bias towards the podcasters that are all about you living on substantially less than what you make, known as the financial independence or FIRE movement. Nancy says, my husband and I have purchased land. Should we wait to build in this crazy time of high cost and unavailable materials or jump right in and hope our equity increases? Nancy, you have the land already. The building costs are putting tremendous pressure on people building single-family homes, building multifamily housing like apartments. It is a rough time with the cost of materials, subs, labor, all very, very elevated right now. If you have some patience, you know these things go in cycles. I mean, let's just look at lumber costs that are they triple normal, I think, right now? They've just give it a little bit of time that we go through these phases with real estate. And I think you'll find that your cost of materials and construction and subs and the rest will moderate, become more reasonable over time. The actual percent increase in lumber is not 300%. I lied. It's 323% right now. So I'd give it a little bit of time. 
And I want to thank you so much for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.